Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. All right. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to join with us on the kickstart. We got a good one for you today. Going to share some information that I think is pretty eye-opening for those of us that are in the industry. I believe that most folks feel that, I mean, mean, the numbers show it too, as far as when they do surveys on it, feel that the price of medications is way too expensive. But we're going to talk about some very specifics today on a new report that came out uh, from all people of AARP. So we're going to share that here in just a moment as folks keep coming in. Appreciate you guys slowly trickling in. Looks like some folks are having some pop-ins and pop-outs. So let's give just a minute for folks to get in here. All right, gang. So I was really taken aback by these numbers. And maybe I shouldn't have been. But here is the reality. What this report from ARP has shown is that since certain, the top 25 best-selling, current best-selling medications as brand name were released, they have actually tripled in price in average. However, some of them much, much more so. And it really kind of brought something to my attention in the fact that a lot of these medications that I see during the annual enrollment period for Medicare, it makes me understand why these medications may not be offered in very many formularies. Uh, The biggest increase is for Lantus. So Lantus is an insulin product. It's been around for a long time. It actually was introduced 23 years ago in the year 2000. And since its introduction, The price has not decreased. The price has increased by 739%. 739% increase since introduction. So this is clearly not a increase in price because of inflation. (laughs) Because, well, it may seem like (laughs) inflation has increased everything by 730 plus percent. It really hasn't. If you look at the charts, that's not what has happened. Uh, once again, our, our bank accounts may look, may make it feel that way, but that's certainly not the case. What it shows, though, is that that is, has no correlation to it. Uh, also, rheumatoid arthritis can be super debilitating. If you've ever known anyone that has that issue, it can just cause so many problems. Uh, have a friend whose wife has it, and you know she's not able to help him do simple things like pick up limbs in the yard. Uh, We're not talking about, you know, giant limbs. We're talking about just picking up limbs in the yard after you've had a storm come through and you have limbs down. She just cannot grasp grasp things well enough that she can even help with something like that. And that's 
that's so disheartening to someone whenever they can't do basic things. So there's a medication that can help address that called Embryl. It is one of, once again, one of the top 25. It was released 25 years ago in 1998, excuse me, 35 years ago. Right now that's 25. Sorry, <laughs> I can't count today. Anyway, and so if you look at that and you say, okay, if it's that old, there's got to be, the, the price must have gone down, right? No, 701% increase. Absolutely unbelievable that some of these medications have gone up to the extent that they have. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop there. You know, when you look at the list of things that have gone up, uh, even something like Ozempic, which of course is very popular right now. Ozempic is very popular. Uh, obviously it's being used off uh, brand two because for whatever reason, right? The exact same formulation of Ozempic, which is called Wevoy, exact same medication is three to $500 more because Wevoy is for weight loss, not for, uh, for uh, diabetes. And so it's going to be more, but even Ozempic, who it's only been out since 2017 has already seen a 38% increase just in the short amount of time that it's been out. So it is amazing when you look at the chart, uh, you know, some of the ones uh, obviously that we see are very popular and can as brokers and agents in this world and people building health plans, what gets you right away is when you see someone taking a medication like Humira, because when you see someone's on Humira, you know that you're going to have to have some plan design uh, tricks <laughs> to make it work. Well, Humira has actually been out since 2002, if you didn't know that. But it, since its introduction in 2002, the cost of Humira has gone up 562 percent. And I'm really bringing all this stuff to light here because I think that it is it's it's inherent in these plans that when people come across these medications, should it really be causing us to change complete plan designs because of a medication that's been out for this long? That why is it why why is the cost gone up that much? I mean, Novolog, Novolog is another one that's been out for forever. But since it came out, 628% increase. Some of these just don't make any sense. Uh, and we see it in other ways, even on generic medications, not part of this list I'm talking about, but as someone that when you're putting together plans, you see it even with generic medications where you're wondering why this medication is off of a formulary. Why isn't it there? Well, you know, one of the things that I think that has been proven right over time is that sometimes medications don't show up on a formulary because, let's be honest, the right deal wasn't made with the PBM. And if the right deal wasn't made with the PBM, then they elected to put some other medication in that class on there instead because they were getting the right rebate or the right spread or whatever it needed to happen to make them want to include that medication. But the fact that these medication have risen in costs so dramatically higher, does it have anything to do with the fact that they are being used so much? Does it have anything to do with the fact that they are on this list of top 25 main, uh, top 25 medications that are being taken? Well, in my opinion, I would say it has an absolute correlation to the fact that they're being used that much. Uh, the old supply and demand, right? 
If I'm seeing people want to take something more and more, well, is anyone going to miss the fact that I kicked the price up? And at the end of the day, what really happens, of course, is if it stays on a formulary, then a lot of times the individual that's taking that medication may not see any change, at least for a little while, because their, their copay on that, maybe it goes to the next tier or maybe it doesn't. What is happening is that cost is being passed on into the employer plan. And so the employee employer plan is paying for it now, which of course means what? Next year, the rates are going up because more money's coming out of the plan itself. It just keeps feeding itself over and over. And the fact that these medications can go up and there has not been the type of pushback there should have been from the industry, to me, that is also a major issue. And I think that there, we've got to get to the point where people understand that these uh, these things are happening behind the scenes. Uh, until we get enough pushback from people, then things are going to stay the same. Uh, I know that there are those of us out there that are doing that. I know, Matt, you're doing that aggressively there in the state of Wisconsin. And that's that's all part of what we have to do. We can't leave this this particular part out because it is these brand name medications that end up being a very small part of the plan, but end up being about 80% of the cost for medications within there. So the least taken medications, but the biggest cost. And if you ever wondered why that was, maybe today when you hear these percentages that these things have gone up, uh, you'll understand why. Because this is just the top 25. Imagine that you've got a medication that is more specialized and what that cost is going to be. Uh, one of the things that this report also uh, proved out was that to bring a new brand name medic medication into uh, the field right now. So brand new medication, here's going to be put out there for the very first time. The average annual cost for that medication is about $200,000. So when you bring these in there, these are going to make major disruptions into health plans. Uh, it's going to make major disruptions into Medicare. Uh, the a new medication that was released for Alzheimer's a couple of years ago, whenever that was coming out, is one of the reasons for the largest increase in the cost of Part B that there had ever been at the time. So I think that when we see these things, that it's all going to be transferred. That's the one thing to remember. The price always gets pushed down. Okay, so we will move on now to the average family cost for insurance premiums. Hmm. So we have uh, recently there was a list released to talk about where you get the highest cost for health insurance. And this is for employers. And there's also a list for how much it costs on families. So the first list was, OK, here's how much an average employer contributes for premiums. This is just the employer's part, not the actual employee. Now, uh, recently we talked also about the average across the country is around 15,000 across all different types of groups. Uh, although I think what they, they really looked at groups all the way from say a hundred plus. So unless the group was a hundred, they weren't even taking that in consideration and it's around 15,000 per employee. But when you actually look at this list, you can see that there are a number of states uh, that are well above that. Uh, not surprisingly, when you really look at the way a plan would have to be designed there, the number one state is actually Alaska. Uh, the first thing off, you know, first thought I would have was that it would have been one of the states that a little more difficult to uh, 
put plans in, period, because you may not have as many insurers there. But Alaska, with the different issues they have, they actually have very little choices up there. And so the average employer contribution for Alaska is 19085 so significantly over the average amount of 15000 uh, Going down the list, um, it wasn't really surprising to me for the next two, and that is New York and New Jersey. Uh, with cost of living and also a number of companies that don't do business there uh, due to the fact that the way that the laws are set up, uh, 18600 for New York, 18600 for New Jersey. Uh, a lot of it stays there on the West Coast as we go down the list. Connecticut, District Columbia, West Virginia, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, then we get way up into the uh, states where there's nothing going on, like South Dakota. Uh, then we're back to the to the east again with New Hampshire and Vermont. Uh, we go way on down the list. I mean, if you look at this, it's amazing to me that, uh, and, and I guess if you talk talking about averages, that if, if you look at this, it, it's surprising to me how many states are well above the average. Uh, even a state that a lot of times I think we see has a, a lot of control over some of these things. Although, you know, some of the case studies I've seen show that there are certain areas that don't do very well. And that is Ohio. Ohio still at about 16.5. And so there's a lot going on in that state, a lot of good going on in that state, but obviously a long ways to go in that direction. Uh, my home state here of Texas. Uh, where are we on this list here? We are right kind of in the in the middle uh, is where Texas is at. Uh, let's see here at 14755. So it's kind of interesting to me that that's kind of where we show up. And I see Zach jump in. Hey, Zach, thank you for dropping by this morning. Uh, we were uh, we talked earlier, Zach, about the top 25 brand name medications uh, averaging a triple in price. Oh, since they've been released, including some like Lantus that have risen over 700% since they were introduced in 2000. So we've kind of moved on from that story, but buddy, I know you were interested certainly in the prescription drug side of that. So that's why I wanted to mention that to you. If you, if you want to reach out to me uh, here on uh, LinkedIn after the uh, event, then I'll be happy to to share with you or talk to you about any of those things as well. Uh, but I do know that organizations like yourself, that's kind of the point I brought is when people are uh, doing things differently, building plans differently and using those other PBMs that you're going to get a different result uh, from those medications. All right. looks like Daryl would like to share some information. So Daryl, I'm going to bring you up on stage, buddy. Uh, don't forget to unmute yourself whenever LinkedIn finally decides to let you up here. All right, I'm going to go on for a second while LinkedIn tries to decide whether or not it wants to actually let Daryl come up on stage today. I have allowed him to speak, but LinkedIn, like I said, can sometimes be a little bit persnickety. So as we look at the numbers on what employers are actually paying, there is the corresponding list of, well, what does the average employee pay for those same plans? So I think it's kind of interesting that it's not necessarily a, the same correlation. Uh, whereas Florida was down in the middle of the list, Florida is actually the highest on this list. So the average family for insurance premium in Florida, they're paying 7,734. That's just their part. North Carolina's next, Delaware. Texas is near the top of the list here at number four, it's 7,579. Now, I think one of the interesting things to me about Texas is 
there were also still by far the number one when it comes to people that are not enrolled in health insurance. We're still lingering around that 18% number of people not having health insurance. And if you looked, if you happened to any chance <laughs> for any reason you wanted to make yourself not feel well, if you look at our marketplace plan selections, I think you would see that. Uh, I've talked to a number of people, been able to share with them options that we have on the marketplace, and they would just choose to do something completely different. Um, a lot of times they'll go to medical cost sharing. Uh, sometimes they'll get some type of indem indemnity plan, but many times they just choose to do something completely that you would not then be considered being insured technically, even though you may have some type of catastrophic type coverage. So I think it's interesting that a lot of folks here, they simply are not going to go down that pathway. Now, the other part of that is there are many of your top hospitals here in Texas that also do not accept plans that are on the marketplace. So another reason why people are pushing back, I'm going to push back and not get a plan if it's not going to go let me go where I want to anyway. A couple of the uh, places that you can see that is number one is MD Anderson. So MD Anderson does not accept a single marketplace plan that is available in the state of Texas. Uh, there is a hospital up out of Fort Worth called uh, Cook's Children's Hospital that is also well known for children's cancer. It does not accept uh, but one plan on the marketplace and that plan is only, strangely enough, is only available in West Texas, nowhere near where the hospital is. So a strange little situation there. And you find out these things whenever you have, when you're talking to clients and realize that they want to see and go to certain places and they can't go there. All right. I see Daryl finally got up on stage. Daryl, if you'll unmute yourself, please give us your thoughts on what we talked about today. Uh, good morning, Arlen. I really appreciate you um, uh, speaking on this topic. Um, my name is Daryl Meadows. I'm with uh, Premier RX. Uh, we're a um, membership-based uh, prescription drug uh, PBM. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you, you were given some some uh, data about the price in states uh, for health care. Um, I was wondering, do you have information on how much each employer charges for the prescription drug card that they provide to their employees? Do you know what that number is? That number varies so widely that no, there is there's no data that goes through there. You would actually have to check with the individual. Now there there may be some numbers out there about what an average is, but typically that's going to be rolled into the health plan. And unless you've got someone you know doing a the way that I do it, the way I know Matt does it as well, and that if we're if we're building your healthcare supply chain, we're going to know exactly what that is. But even if you're going through and you're doing something with one of the big insurance companies, that's not going to be out there. That information is not going to be available. It's going to be all wrapped into one thing together. So you have to actually be working with someone that wants to get that information. So you really would only be able to get that with plans that are built that way, Daryl. You couldn't even get that information in general going across looking at plans. Okay. I know. You know, what we do, our company, um, we actually pull out that PBM um, from it that. Out. Yeah, we carve it out. And what we found, just for uh, 
informational purposes, that that card sure. is costing that card is costing employers between 120 to 180 dollars a month for each employee, and that's that's the, that's how big that range is, and um, that's a big that's a big number. That's sure. a big number because they're that's where they're making a bulk of their money from, and um, it, a lot of them don't want them those employees, employers, I'm sorry, to know what that number is because they don't want them, they don't want them to realize that, you know, that that's where the money is. And uh, so, you know, Mark Cuban, his company, they're kind of doing the same thing that we're doing. We're, we're, we're going in and we're pulling that out and we're, 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 we are replacing it with a very small number. And we let employers know that you can get this on this formulary, which is 95% of what people are going to be using, and you're going to get the best price when it comes to prescription drugs. Um, it's it's a hard task. We know it. Um, a, a lot of employers uh, are very unaware that they can pull it out, pull that out. And uh, it's but we're out there. We're knocking on doors and we're talking to people and let them know that they want to lower their health care uh, costs. You can start with your your most expensive part, which is that PBM, and uh, and we're here for you. So yeah, that's a that's a great point because a lot of employers simply do not understand that they can take those baby steps, right? They can carve out things. Uh, if you're not ready to make that full jump, you can start even in the middle of a plan year. You can start doing something to start making right. an impact on what the experience that your folks are having, and a lot of times a very negative experience. So that is a great. Great point, Daryl. Uh, that is that's a conversation that that we have, and I think a lot of times they they find it hard to believe that they can do that. But those that do take action, uh, whether it is making a change to in a, a PBM or or even adding a layer to it, or carving out specialty, or doing something like deciding that they're going to use a DPC model, either a, a near site or on site physician. Those are the type of things that make big impacts because that's what's being used every single day. And, you know, the, once again, your perception is a reality. So if I feel like I'm, if my perception is I'm getting better service than I got before, then this is something I want to use in the future. And if then on top of that, <laughs> you're seeing a positive impact on your plan and on your bottom line, well, now it all of a sudden becomes a no brainer and you start asking people to do more and more. Um, once again, my, my friend Matt Ord, who wrote an incredible book uh, how to, you know, about saving your company, he gives that step by step through his book and, uh, you know, how to save your company. Don't feed the beast is Matt's book. Y'all go check it out. But that's one of the things he he shows in his journey was adding a piece here and adding a piece there. And as you did, then the overall results, of course, start getting better. Uh, in fact, he was given the, uh, the ability to make the wholesale changes because of the early successes he had by just bolting on or making little changes. So that is a great point, Daryl. Um, and so, you know, folks, if you want to learn more about that, I know, Zach, you guys do some similar stuff over there at Disclosed Rx as well. So reach out to these guys because that is that's a great place for you to get started. I mean, you want to get started in a way that I, I know you've, you've got to have it. There's got to be some noise. There's got to be some disruption in the way your healthcare supply chain is done. But a lot of times 
those baby steps, that's the way you got to do it. You got to do some baby steps. You got to ease into it. Um, you got some folks that say, hey, let's just jump off into the deep end. <laughs> and, and while we may try to talk them out of it, sometimes they're just ready. Uh, and once again, people ask me, who's a good referral? I say someone that's pissed off. <laughs> so, someone that's tired of the status quo and they're, they're tired of things just being the way that they are and they need to, to move on. All right. Well, Daryl, I certainly once again appreciate your comments. Does anyone else have a desire to jump up on stage and uh, give us any information you'd like to hear today or review anything that we talked about? Uh, I don't want to keep you guys much longer. We're almost to time. I know everyone's got a busy Monday, just like always. All right. Well, once again, guys, appreciate it. Appreciate you being here. Take care.